scripture, if you will, and turn to Romans chapter number eight. Have you noticed that sometimes life will sucker punch you when you least expect it? Have y'all noticed that? When things are just rocking along just fine. We knew we had special guests coming today. We're pumped about that. Pastor Matt was pumped. He's up trying to get ready. And then he can't even stand up without being sick from vertigo. Sometimes you think everything's going great. You go for a checkup and you think everything's fine. And you hear dreaded words like, I'm sorry, it's cancer. Things We, we don't prepare for stuff like that. But no matter what we face, and listen, if the Lord doesn't come back and you outlive me, I want y'all to sing it as well at my funeral. Because no matter what's going on, I can say it's well with my soul. Have you ever felt like your world's been turned upside down? You know, um, things are rocking along. Brother Don can tell you we were blessed to be in a place that we love with people we love and planning to be there till we die. And the Lord says, I got something different for you. That turned our world upside down. I'm glad, by the way, the Lord turned our world upside down. No better place to be than in obedience. Maybe some folks have lived through the situation where you think everything's rocking along and all of a sudden your spouse says, I need to talk to you. I don't love you anymore. We're getting a divorce. Maybe you sat with a parent like I did with my dad when he took his last breath. What a difference Jesus makes. My dad had a heart attack at 45. If he'd have died... He would not have gone to heaven, but God spared his life. My dad came to know the Lord. So when I was there, sad as me and my two sisters and stepmother were, when he took his last breath, we could say as well with our soul, because the new daddy was absent from the body and present with the Lord. We were at the funeral for Bradley Elliott, a he, East Hall hero, probably the most loved man in East Hall. He was associate pastor at another church here in town. Then he was interim pastor um, at another church. And at his funeral, we sang the song, um, Going Home. Some of you my age will remember the song, Going Home. But Bradley said, when y'all sing it, I want you to change the lyrics to Gone Home, because he's gone home. And I look, and the first song we sang as a congregation was In the Garden. Well, when my great-grandmother died, we sang In the Garden. When my grandmother died, we sang In the Garden. The last words I ever heard my daddy try to whisper, a barely an audible whisper, if we were playing music in his room, was Going Home. My daddy knew he was going home. If you don't have that peace that passes all understanding, I pray that today will be the day of your salvation. Life will sucker punch you when you least expect it. It's easy to praise God on the mountaintop, easy to praise God at youth retreats and mission trips and all those things. But when we get that sucker punch, can we still sing it's well with my soul? I got the sweetest birthday message first thing the other morning from, from an older couple, friends of ours in Lynchburg, Virginia, Dave and Peg Hunt. We love the Hunts. We've kept, we've done life. Their daughter became like a daughter to us. We still go on vacations every now and then. And they sent me the sweetest little video. But, you know, Dave Hunt, I was on a mission trip. I've told you the story, I'm sure, to Moscow, Russia, my first international mission trip. And Marjorie, their daughter, she went to everything with us. If I said we're sweeping the floor at 2 in the morning, Marjorie would have been there. But Marjorie didn't go to Russia with us. I couldn't figure it out. I'll never forget when Vernon Brewer, the head of the World Health Missions Organization, came before worship and he stuck a clipboard in my gut and said, I'm sorry to tell you, but one of your students has been killed. And I looked at that clipboard and it said, Jonathan Hunt, Marjorie's brother. I got myself out of there as quick as I could to pray and get myself together because every kid on that mission trip had been with Jonathan from bed babies to the age of 18. We didn't make it back in time for Jonathan's funeral, but I'm told at the graveside, after Dave and Peg Hunt just buried their only boy, Dave Hunt turned to the crowd and led them in singing, God is so good. How do you do that? 
How do you have a peace like when you know Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life? That's the only way to make it. Romans 8 is a wonderful reminder that for the child of God, no matter what you're going through, it's all good. It's all good for me and it's all good for you. It's all good. We started off in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 that says, There is therefore now what, Gracie? No condemnation. no condemnation from early on. Gracie helped us make that a, a tagline, an identifying statement of Transformation Church. Can't improve on Scripture, but no condemnation. No matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've been through, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus doesn't care what you've done before, how you rebelled or slammed the door. He loves you enough to put all that mess behind you and make all things new. There's no condemnation. Romans chapters number 1 through 7 builds the undeniable case that we're all sinners. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. We're all messed up people. If you feel messed up this morning, you've come to the right place. You, you hope you feel right at home because look around. We're all messed up people. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. Now, most of us have professed the Lord, if not all of us. So because we profess the Lord, even as messed up people, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it's all good. It's all good. He takes all things and works them together. We said in our very first week of this series, and by the way, it's just awesome to be a part of a church plant where I'm not the only preacher, where I get to hear Pastor Blake and Pastor Roger. You know, this is my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, and I get to hear some of my brothers preach. That has been awesome to hear Blake and Roger preach. But we said in the first week, imagine if you were in jail for killing somebody. You killed them. You're guilty, you're on death row, and you deserve to die. You know you deserve to die. You're counting off the days on the calendar. You're marking them to your execution day. And all of a sudden, they come in and say, wait a minute. You're going to be set free. Like, is this a joke? Am I being set up? Somebody's going to take your punishment for you. They're going to die, so you don't have to. But that would be unbelievable. It's even more unbelievable that Jesus Christ, God's personal expression of himself, stepped out of heaven and took my place for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Mike is a sinner who deserves to die, but Jesus stepped in and took my punishment for me. So there's no condemnation. We've been walking through Romans 8, and today we get to my favorite verses of all. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse number 26. Would you please stand if you can, and let's give honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Somebody ought to say amen right there. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. It cannot be expressed in words, King James says uttered. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Is anybody about to blow a gasket in your brain when you think about that? When I'm so wrung out, I don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit prays for me. And we know, I don't think so. I don't hope so. I don't wish so. I don't pray so. And we know that God causes everything, all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Father, thank you for these promises. Many of us have heard these promises maybe for decades but Holy Spirit of God, I pray you would breathe fresh wind and fresh fire into our hearts today. May we be captivated once again by your grace that we deserve to die. But Jesus stepped in and there's no condemnation on Mike because of what Jesus did. Lord, I don't know of everybody here what they're walking through, what their week holds this week what difficult situations they may be facing, but we cling to that promise like a drowning man to a life preserver that you have promised to work all things together for our good and your glory. And we thank you for that, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. 
Now, now let me remind you that these promises are for the child of God only. Only for those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They're available to whoever calls to the name of the Lord. But only those of us who are believers in Jesus can say, it's all good. There's no condemnation. He's working everything out for our good and His glory. Have you ever just been so emotionally wrung out? You know you're supposed to pray, but you just don't want to pray. Have y'all ever been there before? Don't know what to pray? We can rest assured, and number one, write this down, God will pray you through your weaknesses. If I go too fast, remind me, because we don't have a screen today, and I'll repeat it again. God will pray you through your weaknesses. Verse 26 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in all our weaknesses. Nowhere in the Bible does it say Christians won't have troubles. You know, I don't understand these TV preachers who say God wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Give me my glasses, Timmy face, so I can read this. If God's going to heal you of everything, why you got on glasses? Can God do that? Yes. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. And then he says, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. <clears throat> And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. When people mock you and make fun of you for being a believer, we can be thankful for that. Because they see something in you that brings conviction to them. I think somebody don't want me to preach this today. (laughs) Job 14, verse 1. How frail is humanity. It's a sermon illustration. I'm showing you how frail humanity is right now. How short is life? I'm not ready to demonstrate that one to you. How full of trouble. We blossom like a flower and then wither. Like a passing shadow, we quickly disappear. Do I have to convince anybody that Christians face trouble? Christians face heartache and persecution also. The point is, when that happens and you're so emotionally wrung out, you don't even know how to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. When we don't know how to pray, he makes intercession for us. There was a lady by the name of Lucille Puckett who was in our church in Lynchburg, Virginia. My wife will remember Miss Lucille well. She was the epitome of a prayer warrior. She's with the Lord now. I'm just stating facts. I'm not making fun because she was a hero. But she had dentures that clacked when she talked. It was kind of a distraction for me. But that lady loved Jesus and she knew how to pray. And sometimes our pastor would bring Miss Lucille to the pulpit to pray. We had in-home cottage prayer meetings in the basement of our pastor's home, and that lady could pray down the stars. And I would say, baby, if we have a crisis, you call Miss Puckett. I want Miss Lucille Puckett praying for me. Miss Puckett's with the Lord now, but I can do you one better than that. The Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, makes intercession for us. We got the greatest prayer partner ever. Dr. Jerry Falwell wrote a book called When It Hurts Too Much to Cry. It's out of print now, but you can sometimes find it on Amazon. To me, it's the greatest book Dr. Falwell ever wrote. When it hurts too much to cry, God's still in control. The Holy Spirit's praying for you. Sometimes we're so cried out, we don't know what to pray or how to pray. Rest assured, God is praying for you through the Holy Spirit. Number two, write this down. God's planning good through all your situations. God's planning good through all... You say, Mike, you don't know my situation. You know what I'm going through? I don't have to know. As the promises of God's word say, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Taste that one more. Taste that for the first time. Like you've never heard that before. 
You know, we read scripture over and over and over and we, get, we know what it says. I want you to chew on that like you've never heard that in your life. No matter what you're going through, God's working it out for your good and for his glory. That's all things. Sweet things, sorrowful things, even sinful things, even sickness, even satanic things. God works all things together for our good. Many of us know that God has taught us that over and over and over again. I love the old song by Andre Crouch, who's with the Lord now, that says, If I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. It's those problems in my life that drive me to the cross. They drive me to greater dependency on the Lord Jesus Christ. When things are going well, we think, I got this. I'm okay. But the reality is we're all one heartbeat away from eternity. I'm dependent on him for every breath. I've demonstrated that for you today, trying to catch my breath up here. God never wastes a hurt. No matter what you're going through, God never wastes a hurt. You know, my daughter who was just here, she's a nurse in Athens. She had to get back to Athens. She just went through a, a very hurtful, difficult time. And for me as her daddy, to see her stand here and lead worship for the first time in six or seven years, you just don't know what that does to my heart. But Holly's a, a neonatal nurse in Athens, and a girl reached out to her and said, Holly, I know what you're going through. She just been through... Abuse, divorce, you name it, my child has experienced it. And the girl reached out to Holly. And she said, nobody knows this. You're the first person I'm telling, but my husband is abusing me. And Holly said, Daddy, the first thing I thought of, you said God never wasted a hurt. And so Holly Ann was able to share with her how God brought her through that difficult time. Second Corinthians chapter 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And when things are broken, we sometimes throw them out. Something gets broken, you just get rid of it. God doesn't use stuff till it's broken. God doesn't fully use you until you are broken. We're all sinners. We're all broken people. we got to be broken and spilled out for the glory of God. The heartaches and the hurts and the dumb sinful choices even that I've made, God can bring good out of that. If I look to him and repent and confess my sins, he'll bring good out of that. Listen, if you don't know Christ as the Lord of your life, now the opposite of that is true. Even the word of God and the resurrection of Jesus, that's working for your bad. It's working for your bad if you don't know the Lord. Because ultimately, if you die separated from him, the worst is yet to come. For us who know Jesus, the best is yet to come. I don't even remember what the deal was, but years ago I had, we were in Warner Robins. I needed a compounding pharmacist. I'd never heard of a compounding pharmacist. I don't remember what was wrong with me. But a compounding, you can't just go to CVS or somewhere. you got to get a compounding pharmacist to mix it up. They mix it up to bring about whatever healing you need. God is our heavenly compounding pharmacist. He takes stuff that may be poison on its own, but he mixes it up and he uses it together for our good and his glory. Anybody in here ever eaten a handful of flour before? Has anybody ever done that before? You've done that? Was it nasty? Did you choke when you did it? Probably. So. Anybody ever eaten a handful of Crisco? They still make Crisco. Anybody ever eaten that? That's disgusting. Remember trying to drink vanilla flavoring? Alcoholics drink vanilla flavoring because it's full of alcohol, okay? Anybody ever just had a handful of sugar? And I've done that. tastes good to me. But flour and Crisco and vanilla flavoring and raw eggs, that's nasty. But you know what? My mama came to my house yesterday. She brought me a gluten-free caramel cake. It had gluten-free flour. It had crisp, had all that nasty stuff in it. But it was some, I probably have had four pieces of that already, if I'm telling the truth, okay? And I wonder why I can't lose weight. 
Romans 8, 28, you've heard me, it's my spiritual life preserver. When I'm drowning on the seas of life and I can't make sense, I don't understand how things are, I don't have to understand. I, I picture myself out in the ocean with big waves and a life preserver and I just sling my arm over and I hold on for dear life as a drowning man. That's what Romans 8, 28 is for me. God, I don't like this. I don't understand this. I'm ticked off about this, but you've promised you're going to work it out for my good and your glory. You think God can't bring... A miracle out of your mess? He doesn't give you a testimony without a test either, by the way. The most hideous, unimaginable act ever committed against a completely innocent man. Mock the crucifixion against the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. The most hideous thing ever happened. But God brought beautiful stuff out of that. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. What's more horrible than the crucifixion of Jesus? We wouldn't be here apart from the crucifixion of Jesus. Look at all the good that came from that. So you, it's, kind of, it's kind of pride and self-flattery to say, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my mess. I'm not trying to be insensitive because we want to walk through that with you and love you as your church family. But I want you to know God's aware of that. He's working that good, bad, ugly out together for your good and his glory. Our hurts drive us to greater dependency on him. And number three is painful. Number three, God's pruning you to be more like Jesus. God is pruning you to be more like Jesus. Look at verse 29. For God knew his people in advance and chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And if your mamas have, or dads have roses and they prune the roses to make them do better, you prune off the dead stuff so that it grows out and it's more beautiful. God has to prune junk out of my life all the stinking time. And it hurts. You know, if you accidentally use pruning shears on your finger, it's going to hurt and it's going to bleed. But the Bible says in John 15, verse 1, Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it can bear more fruit. When we go through those difficult times, God's driving us to greater dependency on his son Jesus, and he's getting rid of stuff that doesn't look like him. Now, I know verse 29 is controversial. People like to take this every which way, and I can't just go through it like it's not there, right? Verse 29 in the King James says, For whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Is the word predestined in your Bible? It's right there. I can't ignore it. I can't go, I can't go around it. It's right there. The best commentary on Scripture is of the Scripture. It says we're predestined, what? To be conformed to the image of his son. You are pre if you know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, predestination, you are predestined to become more like Jesus. And anything that doesn't look like Jesus in my life and your life, he'll prune it off. He'll prune it off. Romans 8 is a, the lifesaver to remind you. Romans 8 is not to be debated and people, Christians, argue and fight about predestination. Romans 8 is a reminder of how awesome God is. You can't reconcile you know, human will and God's sovereignty. If you can reconcile all that in your brain, you're way smarter than anybody else who's ever been born. People have debated that for thousands of years, but I know God's in control and he says, whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Now, is everybody going to be saved? Mm -mm. The Bible says narrow is the way that leads to life, but broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
Jesus says, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven. It is God's desire that we all come to repentance and faith in him. But he knows most people are not going to. Romans 10, 13, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So predestination in verse 29 is we are predestined to become more and more like Jesus. We're so blessed, I said earlier, to be a part of the Southern Baptist Convention and the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. My wife and I recently went to a pastors and wives retreat down at Stone Mountain. Thomas Hammond, one of the greatest guys on the face of the earth, is our leader of our um, Georgia Baptist Mission Board. We're at Stone Mountain. We rode that, what do you call that gondola, that thing up on the mountain, and we looked at the carving there. You know, years ago, that carving wasn't there. Some artists somewhere had in their mind what they wanted that to look like. It was just a big outcropping of granite there. And some artists looked at it and said, Here's what, how are we going to make that look like what we want it to look like? We've got to take hammers and chisels and whatever else, and we've got to knock that stuff off. Anything that doesn't look like what the sculpture is supposed to look like, same at Mount Rushmore, they knock it off. When God sees stuff in might that don't look like Jesus, God's knocking it off. When I go through difficulties, when I suffer consequences in my own, God's knocking off the stuff in me that doesn't look like Jesus. That's what he's pruning us to look more and more like Jesus. He's pruning you to be more like him. And finally, number four, God will perfect you through it all. God will perfect you through all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly, the sinful, the sick, the satanic, all of the silly, all of that stuff. Verse 30. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. The New King Jimmy Version says, Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. A little theology lesson. You know there's three tenses to our salvation, right? There's the past tense of my salvation. There's the present tense of my salvation. And there's the future tense of my salvation. The past tense of my salvation is when as a 15-year-old boy, I confessed my sins to the Lord. And he forgave me and adopted me into his family. I was justified at that moment. I was declared just as if I'd never sinned. That's the beauty of justification. But now I'm in the present tense of my salvation. It's sanctification. I know these are big old church words, but we've got to understand what they mean. Sanctified means being more and more like Jesus every day. The process of God knocking off and sculpting off stuff in mind that doesn't look like Jesus to make me more like Him. And then the future tense of my salvation is glorification. Well, that's why I say all the time, the best is yet to come. I've been justified when I got saved at that precise moment. I'm being sanctified and more and more like Jesus every day. And one day when I get to heaven, I'll be glorified. In your translation, what tense is that verb? What tense is that word glorified? It's present tense. Now, wait a minute. I'm not in heaven yet. I'm not in, I'm, I still have a pulse. I came close a few minutes ago. You witnessed that. I'm still here now. How can I be glorified if I'm on this earth? Listen, when God gives you a promise, it's just as good as if it's already been done. My glorification is absolutely certain. It's complete, not because of me, because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. That's my perfect heavenly condition. I'm not going to choke. I'm not going to have celiac disease. I'm not going to need glasses or any of that stuff. We'll be face to face with Jesus. All the imperfections are gone. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51 says, Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we'll all be transformed. It'll happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, I believe he's warming up that mouthpiece. 
I think, you know, if you've ever played, I played trombone, you know, in the cold weather in South, we did have a little bit of cold weather in South Georgia sometimes at football games. I'd put that mouthpiece in my hand to warm it up before you blow on it. I think he's saying, hey, you get that mouthpiece ready. We said earlier, all the signs, we're not looking for signs anymore. The signs have already happened. We're waiting for a shout. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Well, not all die, but all be transformed. Maybe our church is transformed. We believe God can transform anybody and everybody. It'll happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who've died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. If it happens in our lifetime, we're going to get that transformation. We're caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Whatever you're going through, the best is yet to come. If you've been justified, we're in the process of being sanctified and made more like Jesus. Hang on, it's as good as if it's already happened. You're going to one day be glorified when you see Jesus. That ought to motivate us. That ought to compel us to want to share that with anybody that doesn't know him. We're we're selfish hogs if we don't give that away. The joy of being justified and the process of being sanctified, our mission as a brand new church. Listen, we're not here to plan services every Sunday. Y'all know that, right? We're not just about planning service. We can get caught up in that if we're not careful. We're here to be a sending station. We're a sending station to equip people, to disciple people, to point them to Jesus and send them out. You know, we have no desire to be a mega church. We have no desire to be a big church. One day, by faith, we believe God's going to grow us to the point we're going to send some of y'all out. The population of Hall County is going to triple in the next 30 years. The vast majority of folks in the state of Georgia are not in church anymore. We've got to plant more churches in Hall County. If you don't believe it, go downtown where my allergist is, where all those apartments and the bridge that used to be to nowhere. Where are these people coming from? We need more churches. So we're not just planting service. We want to be a sending station to send people out for the glory of God. When you get sucker punched by life, when your world turns upside, when you least expect it, when life's going good, everything's fine, you get that diagnosis. Something happens. When your world t- turns upside down and we can't really see God's plan or trace his hand, God wants us to trust his heart. One of my all-time favorite songs is by a group called New Song. Babby Mason has recorded it too, and I'm not about to sing it. But it says all things work fire good. Is that what the Bible says or not? If you're a child of God, all things work fire good. Though sometimes we can't see how they could. Struggles that break our hearts in two sometimes blind us to the truth. But our Father knows what's best for us. His ways are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim and you just don't see Him, remember, child of God, you are never alone. God is... He's too wise to be mistaken. He's too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, let's trust his heart. We know God's good. We know God's love. We know there's no condemnation. We know he's working all things together for our good. We see the present clearly, but he sees the first and the last. He's the Alpha and Omega. Like a tapestry. He's leaving you and me to someday be just like him. He alone is faithful and true. He alone knows what is best for you. I think I know what's best for Mike. Thank God he didn't answer all of my prayers the way I prayed them. He knew what was best for me. He knew he's faithful and true and he knows what's best for you. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace God's hand, trust his heart. That's easy to say, isn't it? It's easy to say. But when when your world's turned upside down, we got to remind ourselves of that sometime. What's the worst thing that can happen to me? Somebody put a bullet in my head? Great. I'm absent from the body and present with the Lord. What's the worst thing that can happen to me? You know, I, 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 somebody persecutes me. I have to suffer for the Lord. 
We saw already in Romans 8, he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. So he says, hey, we'll leave you alone and let you live. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Okay, we'll just kill you. To die is gain. Do you see? We can't lose. No matter what the world does to us, we can't lose. We are more than conquerors. I confess, I failed a class in high school. I worked too much at Piggly Wiggly. I stayed out too late. I was not living for the Lord, suffering the consequences of my own sin. I had a teacher, an algebra teacher named James Gibbs. He was a nice guy. He was also a part-time disc jockey on my hometown radio station, WMJM. He'd say, my name is James Gibbs, and I play music that matters. He'd do Christian music like Sunday afternoons or something. And it, by the way, I wasn't the only one. Okay, I got a, There were so many of us guys, all guys, by the way, that failed the class. The next time, they made one just for all of us who failed Mr. Gibbs. I'll let you fill in the blanks there. But he would. this is my favorite song he would play. When the world that I've been living in collapses at my feet, when my life is tattered and torn, though I'm windswept and battered, I'm going to cling to his cross, and there and there alone will I find peace in the midst of the storm. Oh, there's the peace in the midst of the storm-tossed life. There's an anchor. There's a rock to build my faith upon. Jesus Christ is my vessel, so I fear no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of the storm. When in just 24 short hours, years of living are brought to moments, when life's final picture is taking form, in the dark room of my suffering, I see a light that's shining through. Oh, he gives me peace in the midst of the storm. When my spirit's been broken till it's masked by misery, when the doctor shakes his head and looks forlorn, Jesus comes to make my bedside a cathedral of faith and love. He'll give you peace in the midst of the storm. I wonder, do you know him this morning? Do you know this Jesus I'm talking about? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Has there ever been a time in your life when you just didn't go to church, you just didn't go to Bible school, you just didn't sit in Brother Don's fourth grade Sunday school class like my kids did? Has there been a point in time in your life when you said, I am messed up, and no matter how hard I try, I can't do this on my own. I need somebody to fix it. He'll take the broken pieces of your life when you surrender to him, and he'll make something beautiful out of brokenness. He'll bring beauty from ashes. Have you ever confessed your sin and asked him to forgive you? Listen, on the authority of God's word, you can know that. You know, I ask people sometimes, are you witnessing to people? Well, I think so. Well, I hope so. That ain't what the Bible says. 1 John 5, 13 says, these things have I written. Contextually, what are these things? The five chapters of 1 John. These things have I written that you can know that you have eternal life. I have a no-so salvation if it's based on Mike's emotions. If it's based on how I feel, I'm in a mess. But it's based on what Jesus did and nothing can separate me from his love. Uh, are you struggling to find meaning in the middle of your mess this morning? I don't know why. God makes no mistakes. While we're here in Romans 8, this specific day for such a time as this, God knew what some of you are going through. God knew you needed the assurance from his word that even though you may feel like your life's a mess, he wants to bring beauty from that. When you can't see God's plan, when you trust his heart, it's hard to do sometimes when it doesn't make sense, when people have done you wrong, people lie about you, you hold your head high and know that he's in control and you can trust his heart. Are you certain of your relationship with Jesus? If not, today's the day of salvation. And if you know him as the Lord of your life, and you've got that assurance, don't mean we're perfect because we all struggle, right? Who do you need to share that message with? Transformation Church is not about services. We're about sending. Who do you need to share that message with this week? I'm telling you, the world's messed up. People are helpless and hopeless, and people send me emails and stuff all the time. I was working the other day, and this Pepperidge Farm guy says, you got money in the stock market? You better get it out. It's all fixing to crash. 
I'm like, dude, I ain't got a whole lot anyway, but my hope is in Christ alone. I want to make wise decisions, right? But you, you see all the negative, the emails, the predictions, and all this stuff. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Do you know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? Are you familiar with that spiritual rock and roll? Now, some of you legalists just had a heart attack. Listen, my foot is on the rock and my name is on the roll. And that's all I got to know, right? I'm anchored. My faith is anchored in Jesus and my name is on the roll. And soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king when he calls that heavenly roll. Like Jenny Scarborough used to sing at Second Baptist, I'm going to stand up on my tiptoes and say, I am here. Would you pray with me? Lord, I can't think of the times. That just with this one verse, Romans 8, 28, you've carried me through some junk. Lord, times when I made a mess of my own life, you used Romans 8, 28 to rescue me. Lord, times when folks have been hateful and ugly to me and my family, you've used this verse to rescue us. I thank you that your promises are always true. Lord, not only here today, but as this message goes out on the World Wide Web later on this week, God, for those who were unsure of their relationship with you, I pray they would see that your salvation is so simple. You say even a child can understand that. That we know we're all messed up people. We know we're all sinners separated from you. But thank you, Lord, that you demonstrated your love towards a nobody like me. A nobody from a broken home, mobile home, rural South Georgia. A nobody. And you reached down your nail-scarred head and you rescued me. You gave me peace and you gave me a purpose. God, I pray that for people listening today or later on, that if they don't know you as the Lord of your life, they would realize that if they confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that you raised Jesus from the dead, it's that simple. You said we can be saved for whoever calls on your name will be saved. God, I pray you'll save somebody today and in the coming days as your word goes out on the world wide well. For those of us who are believers and we've gotten bogged down in the muck and the mire of this life. We don't pretend that we're not living in difficult times. We know we're living in difficult times. But Lord, if I read my Bible aright, you tell us that we ought to lift up our eyes when things start getting darker and darker. Because soon you're going to rapture us out of here. Knowing that our time is short. Knowing we don't have forever. Help us to purpose in our heart to live for you. And to share that message this week with people who don't know you. Lord, you're going to put us in contact with people this week whose worlds have been turned upside down. Forgive us when we don't share the only thing that matters. That's the beauty and the hope of your gospel. Use us, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.